I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone, Ioni and Olivia here and we're so excited to be presenting the second season of our limited podcast series exploring modern identity. Made in collaboration with Monkey, the skin you're in explores what it means to be alive today and the biggest issues affecting our generation. From online activism, marginalised people in the workplace and representation of bodies, we want to know where the conversations are at and what we can do to move them forward. We're talking to the people at the forefront of these issues and acting change through their work and lives. So let's get started. Oh my God, the final episode. How the hell did we get here so quickly? I know. How How is it March? I can't believe it. No, don't. Have you seen all the memes that are like me processing last March, March in one day? Obviously, we are well into March by now, but <laughs> it's just too real. I can't cope with it. But... I'm very, very happy to be finishing this mini series with this guest, one of my absolute favourite people, a polyester cover girl. It is Honey Kinney Ross, who I'm sure many of you will be familiar with, but if you're not, you will love her as much as we do. Honey is a podcaster and a writer, but she's kind of gained a lot of recognition for her work around, I don't even want to say the phrase body positivity. Because, like, I just hate it. So, but yeah. it's so hard to think of, like, a swap in. Fat liberation is what the movement was originally called and historically has been called. So maybe let's call it fat liberation. But I think this conversation with Honey is so vital. But especially now and what we touched upon in the episode, which you'll hear about, like, the government's approach to fatness and medical approaches to fatness, but also, like, media representation of bodies still because especially at this moment where we're all taking time to reflect on how awfully women have been treated in the past I do think we need to look at the present yeah absolutely I also just think that like this conversation I I basically I'm like oh I wish we could have had this conversation ready to go out on the day that they made the announcements because of all of like the memes and the conversations around coming out of lockdown and people making it about their bodies. Losing weight. Yeah. And then I think like, and actually I think I wish we had this recording when we went into lockdown because, and then I'm just like, okay, ultimately I'm just like really glad that we have this, this conversation with honey. It's so weird, isn't it? Not, yeah, weird, I suppose, because it's weird how lots of things in our lives we mark by oh I need to look like this to do it or I need to look like Mm -hmm. this in order to feel like this so yeah as soon as we went into lockdown it was exercise every day to make sure you don't put on weight 
and then coming out of lockdown it's get your body ready like the old like summer ready board for June 21st and it's like we have not progressed at all and it's really frustrating like I was watching this morning recently and they were bloody advocating for 800 calorie diet to lose enough weight and saying that exercise is a pile of shit basically and it's just really worrying that these conversations are so pervasive maybe now is a good time for a little trigger warning that we will be discussing obviously eating and bodies and maybe some conversations around eating disordered chat but yeah yeah but it's just so important you are right that we fundamentally tell people that they're not enough under capitalism Obviously, I consistently hate capitalism. No surprise to the listeners here. <laughs> but we do tell people that they're not enough. And it's like, it's not enough that we infiltrate, like in the earlier episodes, like people's online perceptions of themselves, people's workplace perceptions of themselves, that it comes literally like we can't even, it be, goes beyond being mental or aspirational. It's like physically, we're going to make you question your body, your body's worth to aspire. Like we've literally been locked up for 12 months not locked up gosh that's so dramatic we've literally been like (laughs) we've literally well we've been removed from a lot of what we want to do like our families and our comfort blankets and so much of the conversation immediately about allowing ourselves to do things that we find joy is telling ourselves that we're not good enough Mm. physically to enjoy ourselves Mm. nah i don't like it well here's the interview hi honey hi honey hi i'm very happy to be here this is so exciting. Same. So happy to have you. How are you? I'm surviving. I am surviving. I've gotten very into buying natural deodorant off Instagram adverts. And oh, yeah. I'm a very proud mother of two cats. So you know what? I can't complain. I'm <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like our listeners should be familiar with you as your vagina is on the front of our zine. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant! <laughs> but that for anyone is my who is not, Davis, uh, famously covered in flames. It's your legacy. That is your legacy. <laughs> no, and every time I see it, I'm like, "That's my girl. That's my girl." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for anyone who may not be familiar to or as intimately familiar, would you like to introduce yourself and also your podcast, The Body Protest? I will introduce myself in the podcast. Yeah, so aside from my burning bush on the cover of Polyester, I am a writer, I am a podcaster, so I host the Body Protest podcast, I co-host it with Nadia Craddock, who is the love of my life, she is a genius, she went to Harvard, she's a body image researcher, I'm obsessed with her, and we kind of we kind of try and combine storytelling and science to grapple issues around body image. So we like to, and we always, the main focus was to make a really intersectional space where you could tune in and hear conversations from everyone. You know, there would always be something that you could find in our lineup that would resonate with you or broaden your horizons. So I feel like something that hasn't really been spoken about that much because there's just so much to speak about in the past year is the fact that lockdown and the pandemic in general has really messed with a lot of people's body image or perception of self or, you know, all of those like self-love or whatever label you want to put on it. How have you seen that change in the last year and how has it changed for you? That's a really interesting question. I've definitely seen a huge shift online in terms of the body positive space has completely gone up in flames. I don't know if you've seen that too, but like it feels like body positivity is not what it once was, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, a space for, you know, fat black women and people in marginalized bodies. Like it was, it's not that anymore. And I, it was always going towards that, but now I very much just see, a lot of thin women on TikTok co-opting that space and it's very Mm -hmm. 
it's quite sad. It feels like kind of the last days of something. <laughs> you know, it just, it, it really felt like throughout the pandemic, I've seen a lot of that. I've also seen a lot of language come back around bodies that I haven't seen in a while. And I think maybe it was because I had maybe shut my eyes to it. But I've just seen so much more fat phobia being kind of normalized in terms of in like yeah. memes and TikToks, just in terms of the landscape. It's really scary to see that creeping back in because I feel like we had actually come quite a long way. In terms of my own relationship with myself, you know, I'm human. I have definitely, all we can do right now is think about our meals and ourselves. And that's different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously there's other things, but in terms of what you can control, it's mm-hmm. kind of, that's why I understand why there's a big strain on all of us right now. I definitely have gone, you know, I'm doing well. I'm okay. But like, I do find it difficult, especially when you're like, wow, another fucking night planning my own meal and thinking about my food is just, mm. nobody needed that. Nobody needed mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to scrutinize them themselves and what they're putting in their bodies that much as we all have this year. Also the fact that like our food is the only thing that we can like bring joy through at the moment like apart from you know like tv games whatever it's food like that's the only kind of hobby we can have and it's such a meditative activity but I think I've definitely found myself having to challenge a lot of like challenge a lot of stuff that I didn't realize I still had left over around food Mm -hmm. you know because I think it's so confronting in terms of it's definitely made me think about like I've been thinking about carbs for the first time in years because I eat so Mm -hmm. many carbs now just because it's easy and it's interesting just being like I hate that this is even coming up mm. and these unhealed wounds from like diet culture past it, that are still inside me. You know, I, I find that difficult. Yeah. I was just thinking about what you said about the, like the space being taken up by like slim women, mm. the like body positive movement online. Do you think it's because, you know, for the first time we're thinking about, well, for the first time, everyone is thinking a lot more about food, especially because I think I read an article on the guardian that was from someone in Italy writing about because they went into lockdown before us and the it was like this is what you'll do and it kept saying and you'll plan something to eat and it was like and you'll do this yeah. this and this and you'll plan and it you know it, it, a lot of it did come back to food and comfort food and then do you think this like space online has been taken up because a lot of people for the first time are considering food and then not being conscious that it's like sending them into a spiral and then they're just like projecting outwards or I'm not entirely sure I mean I think with anything in lockdown you can focus too much on it and spiral like and that goes Mm. you know outside of food I think any like even like you can spiral on what you're going to wear for the day if if you let yourself (laughs) you know what I mean like things are so minute in our lives so that any decision we make feels quite big so I think I'm not entirely sure I would say I don't know this is a more uh cynical answer go for it I would say that lockdown has kind of basically put individualism that was occurring in like socio-political spaces into like it's put it on steroids basically or into overdrive so like whereas before lockdown community activism or even just like community circles that were socio-political skewed or whatever they were kind of shaky anyway but now it feels like we've kind of just accepted 100% individualism 100% all the time and if you're only thinking on an individual level, you can apply anything to your existence. Like I was speaking to Gina Tonic, our deputy editor, about this yesterday because she had a situation with a tweet where someone was like, stop skinny shaming or whatever. But mm. And she tried to explain to the person, like, no, it's different because you might feel bad about yourself, but I experienced like 
systemic marginalization because of how I look which is what makes me feel bad about myself not that I'm just having bad feelings do you know what I mean but I feel like lockdown has obviously put us all in our feelings so much that we are all giving equal weight to a lot of things and forgetting that systemic issues exist because we're not in the world yeah yeah because also everybody is just kind of living you know grappling with themselves so it's hard for a lot of people to take a you know, to understand that maybe their feelings, even though they feel very big, don't take priority over people who are systemically oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been interesting to see that for sure. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on there, Ioni, that like it's justified every kind of individual approach to activism. So people have like been maybe involved in some community aspect online, but you know, we all we all know and we all always are quite cynical about like an individual approach to engaging with politics or whatever and then people are just in their houses and are like this is so severe for me which it obviously is like there's no denying that lockdown is heavy on a lot of people but then yeah I think the thing that's really sad and difficult is when they just throw that out like I notice it more not more but I haven't seen it on TikTok so I'm not on it not because she's a grandma (laughs) because <laughs> I'm a grandma nice one there we go <laughs> no but I I haven't even downloaded the app I'm too scared to download the app I just watch it through curated highlights and the ones my sister sends me from like yeah well there they have all that do you know what I mean yeah but then I'm noticing it in like group whatsapps like fat phobia is one thing in particular that I've noticed where I'm like it's creepy that, it really in. has resurfaced yeah so I think it's because like obviously fat phobia is always been legitimized by the government but we're seeing that like even more so in the past year when we had like Boris's war on obesity or whatever it was and Boris being like I'm gonna lose some weight yeah and the fucking like what are they even called I haven't been outside in so long like the advertisements on bus (laughs) bus <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like, what the hell is a bus stop? I don't even know anymore. Um, like the advertisements on bus stops. But then also, like, even this morning, I was looking at because you know they're going to do the like roadmap out of lockdown. Yes. And I clicked on a tweet, and the first one under it was like, "Why are we giving fat people the vaccine when they're the problem? Like, they cause." 90% of COVID or whatever and I was just like I mean it's like these attitudes are just so yeah they've just been like legitimized so deeply yeah whereas if you're a fat person you know these things existed and you know these people may be secretly thinking it about you but yeah before lockdown like people in socially aware circles would not be fat phobic whereas now it's happening again I would say argue definitely no, it's, I'm really glad you felt it too, because I found it really scary seeing this kind of, I don't know, it's just creeping back in the language around fat people. And you're just like, we'd come such a long way and it feels like we're taking steps back. And that is bleak. But I mean, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. And I also think there is an element of, because people have obviously been eating a lot more for comfort, a lot of people have gained weight. And I think maybe that has given them some empathy towards, you know, living in a large body. So that there is also the flip of that. I think that's the thing that I was trying to get at earlier. Like, hearing you speak has made me be like oh yeah is how I think the big projection out is that is that people are engaging more with food and their bodies and gaining weight and they're really like they're noticing like skinny people are noticing that they've got ingrained fat phobia but not considering that it isn't about them like yeah like when you did the in the first season of polyester I only remember you saying like when people say I feel fat it's like it's not a feeling and it's not a systematic oppression that you're experiencing yeah but people just aren't getting to that point which is just like yeah of course really fucking frustrating Mm. yeah and I was gonna say I was gonna ask you honey actually like 
maybe it would just be good for the listeners to make that distinction like even if we do see fat phobia as a individualistic problem how is it actually a societal one well I mean it's I think it is a societal one because I think we have to talk about the fact that the world isn't really built for fat people in terms of just spaces aren't accepting of us and it's hard it's also hard to remember that because we've all been in our houses and safe but like we need to remember the treatment of fat people out pre-pandemic in terms of the shame that fat people would face on planes or the shame yeah. that fat people would face in terms of like public speaking and not having even like chairs that fit their bodies. You know what I mean? I think our society is so inherently fat phobic. Obviously, we're seeing it on a much larger scale of people's individual fat phobia. But actually, we can't forget that this is a much broader problem. And I think bringing it back to Boris, we have literally got our prime minister telling us that we're obese and we are the problem and that he's like I'm obese too and I'm gonna lose some weight and it's like good for you Boris like Mm. must be nice like it's scary but I think it means that the way to fight it is we have to be much more vocal about it and we have to be kicking up a fuss and it's tiring right now to kick up a fuss but it's even more important now more than ever Mm -hmm. to continue to be visibly fat yeah it's a hard one isn't it because I remember honey when we went for like drinks but before the pandemic and we were kind of sitting with each other and we were like oh my god just the freedom you get from sitting with another fat woman is just like not like when you're sitting in a group of skinny people it's just like some sort of shared kinship or whatever and now we've kind of had that support bubble completely wrecked because not only are you not seeing your friends who are fat you're not seeing anyone else so it is so much easier to get in your own head about your body and then if you're seeing this stuff on social media or anywhere like on the news on this morning on fucking daytime tv it's like well this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm fucked. <laughs> And also that pressure must be so much more for you because it seems like the kind of like viral 
articles about you have really ramped up over the past year again as well yeah it's um that's been really a lot to handle honestly like I think anytime there's been anything in the public discourse around body or weight I have been asked to comment on it which I have not done because I'm like no I don't owe people that commentary mm. I was like I'm a nice lady living my life like I'm not gonna have a fight <laughs> with Morgan to get that you know across like I, for the sake of a happy life why would I why would I put myself <laughs> that? why would I have people debate me on the legitimacy of my body and my time like absolutely fucking not but it is interesting yeah I have seen a real surge in any time I post a sexy pic which is you know whenever I can muster any kind of energy, energy yeah. <laughs> and like, put on some eyeliner I'm like okay like I guess I'm gonna put my ass out here we now. go again girlies <laughs> but like I it gets picked up now by like tabloids and I find it so um jarring the way they write about me because they kind of want to be like ew but they can't now because of like mm. the kind of public conversation around body image so they're kind of like they're towing the line. If you if you were to go and look at the language used in the articles, you'd see things of kind of like, there's an element of the old school, like Daily Mail, like flaunts her ample cleavage, but also like, but she's fat. There's a lot of... And she's happy too. She's yes, happy. but she's proud of it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, does she realise that she's fat and we can see her? Like, it's It's very strange. And I think it's that thing of like, I haven't been able to see my fat friends at this capacity. And also the lack of fat representation in TV has become so much more blaringly Mm. visible to me. But you're like, wow, it is. If I wasn't as strong in myself, I can see how my confidence would have been completely eroded in the last year. Mm. And I can see how that has happened to so many fat people. It's because of the Mm. public shaming, the lack of representation, all of it. And also just, you know, the best that most fat people have is then a photo of my ass in the tabloids as <laughs> and it's important to remember I'm a small fat person like I do not represent the majority of fat people like that is vital and if I'm being treated as badly as I am in the body I have then imagine anyone bigger how they would be treated and it's so interesting as well especially having this conversation like I watched the free Britney doc last night and like how over this past year it does seem there's been like a reckoning with celebrity tabloid culture of the early noughties like I don't know if you saw there's like a BBC documentary series about it as well but these same people that are kind of like outraged about Britney's treatment or Jay Goody's treatment or whoever's treatment Carrie Katona's will then be a fat phobic twat to you on Twitter like not you specifically but I mean no, like but, you know the cordial exactly. you <laughs> well, there's a, I think there is a kind of um Oh God, there's a really good word for it. I feel like there's a real um, cognitive dissonance around mm. people's relationships to how they, well, like journalists' relationships to how they treat people in the tabloids, but also how they continue to then abuse people in the tabloids. And I like, I mean, in the Free Britney documentary, that paparazzi being like, and that was a moment that stood out to me particularly of him saying, oh, well, she never really told us to stop. And they were like, we've literally got a video of her telling you to stop. And he went, oh no, but she just meant stop for the day. She means stop forever. Yeah. Like, oh my God. But that's the problem I think people don't ever want to see that they're the problem or that they're a huge yeah. part of the problem and so you know you'll have people being like we can't have another woman getting abused in the press but then you'll go on you know and I don't actually go on the mail online surprisingly but like if people go on the mail online it is exactly as it has always been it is just as abusive, yeah, yeah just as toxic and it's like there is no change happening mm. yeah people want to um I think it's like inherent with that idea of like cancel culture is people either like 
everyone wants to hold someone or something yeah. accountable that's not themselves and not the whole system now. Now we're looking at like individuals to hold accountable or we'll look at a system in the past. Yeah. But we're like, no, we need to look at this current system, yeah. like everyone in it. The buck has to stop somewhere. And I do I don't think that there is usually one culprit that you can hold accountable. But oh you know, there are lots of people in this particular instance that we're talking about that can be held accountable. Yeah. And should be holding themselves accountable. And that's the main thing. Because the fact is, as we've seen in council culture, it doesn't really work because the person being cancelled will always go well, you're all arseholes because you're cancelling me, so I'm not going to take any validity in this criticism, which is a huge problem because it's like, you know, it shows us that cancel culture doesn't work because, you know, people will always want to believe they're right, including the people cancelling the person. But I think it is important that we find some kind of middle ground where we are able to call people out and not say we want you off the face of the earth like council culture seems to want because that doesn't work. People will never disappear and cease to exist in that way in the way people want them to go away. It's also just like, it never goes high enough, does it, council culture? I think like, you're always like, too many tears from the top. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it always feels like infighting. It feels like, it feels like a smokescreen to me, in terms of, it is people all on the same level, fighting each other about petty Mm. things on the same level, when we actually should be looking at the bigger picture, and getting angry at the people much higher up. Because it's like, we are not the problem on this level. On the level above us, that's the problem. Or, like, much more levels above us. Yeah, and I think that kind of, like, goes to the point of the wider world might have always, is always, like, toxic. For a while, it felt like social media was less lesser so, or at least a space yeah. where you could, like, reclaim some autonomy. That very much feels like it's been eroded over the past year, whether it's, like, through censorship Completely. or through this type of, yeah, like, hostility online in general or whatever so I suppose like the question would be how is it possible to still fight for these things or is it possible to make social media a like nurturing space for this again or has it just gone too far I think it might be past that point and it makes me really sad to say that because you know we came up on Instagram together in a lot of ways like and I love that space and that space is where I found so much of myself but like the fact is censorship doesn't allow people to post in the way they want to anyway. Mm. Most people who were sex positive have been pushed off the app. Sex workers have been pushed off the app. Like, and a lot of, you know, people in marginalized bodies who are just celebrating their body. Like, I mean, my posts get taken down. That's why I yeah. post half as much as I used to. Or if I post something racy, it gets picked up by the tabloids. So I don't want to post anymore because I want to have a happy mm. life. I don't want to be receiving weird like aggressive and sexual dms at the same time like i'm good Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i don't know if the space can become nurturing i think maybe we need to find a new space or maybe we need to move off social media altogether i'm not sure what the solution is Mm. but it's um i don't think we can go back to the time of innocence before everything got so messy right it's funny isn't it how like social media is almost like a blip reflection of society you know what i mean it's like something's good and then, like, capitalism gets involved yeah. and it goes to shit. And we've seen social media is, like, maybe one of the fastest spaces where that's happened. You know, you think about, like, underground queer communities yeah. that are great and then, like, the straight community gets involved and it becomes not what it was. Like, social media is just another example of it was a good space, but capitalism got... Got its grubby mitts on it. Yeah. And tainted it. It's a shame. And it happens. And we've seen it, like you said, we've seen it happen throughout history. This isn't new. It's just... Um, it's not ideal because the main thing we have connecting us right now is social media. So it's like, (laughs) 
feels like we're communicating through a tapped phone. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like... Oh, wow. That is, a, that is such a good analogy. Oh, I'm glad. I was worried I was going to sound so tinfoil hat by saying <laughs> No, that. no. <laughs> it's so true. I was talking to... um, We did like a dollhouse workshop with... Angel Rose, who is also like plus size, and but we were talking about feminism in this case, and like she was kind of talking about how art movements have been capitalized on throughout history. So, for example, like Bauhaus, and then it became IKEA's aesthetic. Mm. But we were talking about how we were and are still very young, like in the context of things that our activism or our politics or whatever have been allowed like no incubation period. So, for example, like yeah. I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking this, but we want to speak for you, honey, like. Of course, I would cringe at like some of the politics I held three years ago, not because they're problematic, but because they were like yeah. underinformed or like underfleshed out or like, yeah. you know, age experience, all these things. It doesn't mean they were bad, but we've seen this very like bizarre thing, whereas the things we thought in our early 20s became the status quo in advertising and like in capitalism and thoughts that were had by young women basically became what was sold to all women, which seems maybe why we've reached this like dilution of body positivity because obviously capitalism will dilute anything but also a lot of our thoughts were naive and that's not a bad thing because we were working something out as like a social group but that was instead uptaken by like wider society if that makes sense no completely and I think it definitely made people more cynical to it like anything advertising you see someone telling you to feel a certain way about yourself and advertising. And of course, most people's inclination would be to run a hundred miles from that. And I think that's what's happened with body positivity is that people got so sick of it being served to them in a watered down, diluted way that they were like, what is all this nonsense? What are these people talking about? Because also, like you said, it came very much from our early trendies beliefs that then got co-opted into advertising. So People in older generations must have been like, what is all of this new shit? Like, what is <laughs> yeah, going on? Fucking hell, And so yeah. they are probably just sick of our shit, essentially. Yeah. Which is, again, bleak, but... Do you think that, like... I mean, I feel like also in times of when this happens, there is an opportunity to make things, like, even more political and, like, even more... Like, push back against it, basically. And as long as you do that, there is hope. But do you think that people will just accept this kind of watery version of self-love because it's the easiest one without interrogating any of like their ingrained fat phobia or ingrained any phobia basically well I know I won't accept that and I know you won't accept that and both of you won't accept that so I think that is what gives me hope is that there are people like us who want to keep fighting for this pure version of that and I think it's about having faith in that belief that you know, there are people who want to challenge fat phobia to its core. And there are people mm-hmm. who want to challenge all of these oppressive systems in place. And it's just about finding them and supporting them in whatever way we can. Mm-hmm. Well, I did have a question. It's going to be a bit random, though. Well, it's not random. random. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. No, I was basically just interested in the like actual name of your podcast being the body protest, which like immediately takes it into some kind of like political space or confrontational mm-hmm. space. And I suppose as someone who maybe like has been obviously put as like a face of self-love or whatever, why was it important for you to make that distinction? Like, no, this is called the body protest and like this is an inherently confrontational thing. Well, I think that you've essentially answered the question is it is an inherently confrontational thing. And I think we are asking people to challenge their relationship to their bodies and challenge their thoughts about, about other people's bodies. You know, that's why we've always been very keen on interviewing academics and activists as well as entertainers and you know we wanted to get a really full scope and actually be able to 
prove people wrong and challenge people's kind of very toxic beliefs around bodies and you know I even hate to use it but like people's beliefs around like air quotes obesity like no it's completely unfounded most of the time and it's really important to have scientists on this podcast and academics who are like no no there's nothing in that because I also that was one of the reasons why when me and Nadia became friends and co-hosts it was the most special thing because I'd never had anyone who was able to actually stand up for me and my body in a way that I couldn't because people will think your view is clouded if you are fat and talking about this whereas Nadia is thin and a genius so having her (laughs) is heaven like having her able to stand by my side and I can say something really emotional like my body and she'll be like and actually also did you know and that duo that I think is the perfect tactic of confrontation around this Mm. kind of thing because it you know I swaddle you in a kind of Pisces hug and then she hits you with the Aquarius facts thank you honey I was just thinking while you're listening to that Olivia that at this point we literally just need a co-current running analysis podcast that me and you do alongside every (laughs) podcast um but yeah I think that's a really important conversation and definitely I just feel like because all of this stuff is so pervasive like even if you don't think you think that about yourself or about other people then you still have those ingrained thoughts because it's literally all around us all the time and that's what's so hard to comprehend about it in many ways yeah and I think that just I think one thing to really bear in mind with it is how yet we all are under capitalism are convinced to question our worth in terms of like our body and how our bodies look but some people are just well more vulnerable to that than others and like Mm. being conscious of that as well because I think that yeah like your body's always brought into question if you're a woman but some people's bodies some people are forced to question their worth more and like having a consciousness of that is really important yeah and just in like I mean that in general across the board it's just like just think about it, do you know what I mean? Think about above and beyond yourself. Yeah. But definitely think about yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> A classic Olivia U-turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again to our brilliant series partners, Monkey, for allowing us to create these spaces to have these conversations i know that we've both really enjoyed it yeah and thank you to you olivia for being such a brilliant co-host thank you to you Ioni, for being such a brilliant co-host and to honey for being such a brilliant guest and we and did the interview in the morning and it was such a brilliant day that followed so mm, it's true it's true and thank you to gina and gina and carlin and camille and charlotte and thank you to alfie for our theme music we will see you very soon Bye. bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.